0: You are listening to the One Hope Church podcast. The following audio is from the weekly gatherings of One Hope Church in Orlando, Florida. We pray that you'll be encouraged and challenged as you listen. All right, Happy Easter! One Hope's good to be with you today. Uh, my name's Justin, Pastor. If you don't know me, it's good to be with you. It's good to see you. Um, Easter, one of the most important days of the year for the church calendar for all of history. Of course, we celebrate the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this is good news. This is the gospel message, right? But the historical fact of the resurrection, in my opinion, is not what is most astounding. It is the why of the death and resurrection. Why did Jesus die and rise. This is the best news. It's the why that really matters. It's the why that changes us. It's the why that motivates us. It's the why that we will experience for all eternity. And so I want to look at the why of the death and resurrection of Jesus today. And to do that, we're going to look at one of the most famous, one of the most well-known stories Jesus ever told, a story about what was lost being found, a story of of the Father's brokenness and rejoicing, a story of death and resurrection. So I invite you to uh, turn to Luke 15 in your Bibles or on your apps. You can go there. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the chair in front of you. You can open up to Luke 15. I think it's page 1059. Uh, and as you're doing that, let me pray for our time together and invite God to come and minister today to us. So, Father, we give you this time. I know everyone comes in here in a different place. They have different things going on in their hearts and in their lives. God, you know it all. You know every detail. You know who they are. And I pray today as we open up your word and we look at the most astounding, the most magnificent truth in all of creation, I pray that they would be touched by your love, and by your Holy Spirit. So we give you this time, Lord, we ask you to be merciful, to be compassionate, to show us your love, here and now, with your people. We pray this all in your name, Jesus, and by your Spirit, amen. Well, uh, the most famous story, uh, of course, is the story of the prodigal son, or I would probably call it the lost son. You might even say the lost two sons, and I'm not going to read the whole story, but I'll summarize it, and I want to just focus in on a couple key verses to make my point today. So you all probably know the story. Now, Jesus is telling a series of three parables, or three stories, in this section of Luke, and he's making a point with each of them. This is the third of three stories, and of course, you know the story. There was a wealthy man. He had two sons, and the younger son comes to his father, and he says, Dad, I want my inheritance now. And if you're not familiar, in that culture, this doesn't hit us so much today, but in that culture, to ask for your inheritance was a huge insult. It was to say, uh, Father, you're better off dead to me. Just give me uh, the money, give me the wealth, give me what's coming. And so for whatever reason, probably out of kindness, the father says yes. He gives him his inheritance, and the younger son goes off in wild living. Okay, So he spends uh, all of his money, he's partying, and he eventually runs out of money. And not only that, it says, then a famine came. And so I think that's interesting, this kind of providential ordering, I think, of God's sovereignty, sending a famine. Not only were things bad because he ran out of money, but now there was a famine. So work was very sparse. And so he finds himself doing the lowest of tasks, what was disgraceful for a Jewish man to be feeding pigs. And he does that for some amount of time. And then finally, he comes to his senses. And here's what we read in verse 17 of Luke 15. But when he came to himself, isn't that interesting language? when he came to realize where he was at. Not unlike when God in the garden pursues Adam and Eve after the fall, and he asks Adam, where are you? Not because he doesn't know where Adam is, but because he wants Adam to look at himself and say, where are you? You're trying to hide from an omnipotent, omniscient being. It's folly. It's foolish. So when he came to himself, he said, how many are Uh, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And so he looks around. He he not only realizes his current condition. He's kind of hit that rock bottom uh, of his own life, right? Things are just that bad. But he also remembers, more importantly, who the father is and the wealth of the father, and the kindness of the father, and even how the father's servants are living better than him. So he says, I'm going to go. I'm going to go home. I'm going to return home to my father. I'm going to say, I've sinned. I'm not worthy to be your son. And we call this repentance in the church. In our day and age, talking about sin is not popular, and talking about repentance is maybe even less popular. But this is pivotal, it's crucial, to our understanding of God as our Father and our present condition before Him. And so he realizes where he's at, and his repentance is this. It's simply this. It's coming home. Okay? Now, maybe you heard repentance is a change of mind leading to a change of behavior. So he does what's right. He does what's important. He confesses. He says, I've sinned. He confesses it. But more important than just our words is our actions. And so he gets up. And he goes home. That is repentance. It's coming home to the father. And now we come to the climax of this story. Chapter uh, 15, verse 20 here. And he rose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Now we got to pause and meditate on this because this really is the point. It's not so much about the sons, it's about the father. It's about who the father is. And he does five things in these verses, real quick. The first thing we see is he sees him, meaning that the father was out looking for his son to come home. Day after day, he was scanning the horizon, longing, hoping that his son would appear coming home to him. And then one day he finally does. He sees him on the horizon. And what's the first thing he says? What does the scripture say? It says he felt what? Compassion. This word in the Greek, it's kind of a fun word to say, splenget My, I can barely say it. It means this deep feeling of emotion, of compassion, of affection. And in fact, in sacrificial language, it literally means the entrails, the the guts, the the, the part of you that just moves. And you've probably felt this in your life when you've seen something tragic happen. or You've heard of something, a sad story. Your heart goes out to them. You're moved with compassion. So this is an extremely important word. This compassion, this is what the father feels towards his lost son. And this is what the father, God, feels for you. Compassion. Love. And it's the compassion of the father, this love of the father that leads him to do the next three things. He runs to the son. He embraces the son and he kisses the son. Now in that day, again, maybe you've heard for an elder, for a patriarch to run was undignifying. It didn't happen. And Jesus is underscoring the, 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 the magnitude of the father's compassion for his son coming home. So he runs towards him. He doesn't even let his son finish his repentance speech. He embraces him. He's kissing him, right? Verse 21, it says, The son said to him, Father, hold on, I have a speech prepared. I have sinned against heaven before you. I'm no longer to be worthy to be called your son. And before he can even finish, his father says to his servants, he says, Son, Servants, bring quickly the best robe. And put it on him. See, he covers his son with righteousness, with love. He put a ring on his hand, signifying the authority of the father. So you have my authority back. And shoes on his feet. Bring a fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and found. And they began to celebrate. We've got to let this sink in. Because this is the why of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It is the love of God for you. It's the compassion of God for you. And my fear is, like myself, we become so familiar with this idea that it doesn't impact us. It doesn't awe us. It doesn't break us. We don't weep over this fact. We don't feel or experience The Father's love. God's love for you. But this is who God is. Let me prove it to you. Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. Okay, Moses is talking to God, right? Actually, in Exodus 33, Moses says to God, show me your glory. And God says something really interesting. He says, okay, my goodness will pass before you. My goodness. This is what God equates to his glory. His goodness. The very thing... That Satan attacks in the garden. Your father is not good. He's not loving. God says, my goodness, and I will proclaim my name. Now, here's his name in Exodus 34, verse 6 and 7. Here's what he says to Moses. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful. What's the first thing God says about himself? Merciful. Actually, it's the same word for compassion. This is what God says, primarily who I am is love, is compassion. Doesn't mean he's not in wrath, doesn't mean he's not a God of justice, doesn't mean he doesn't care about sin. That's the whole point of sending Jesus. But this is the why of the gospel. God loves you. God has compassion on you. When's the last time you experienced God's love in your heart? Don't you long to feel that? I think we get so comfortable, we get so busy, we get so distracted that we miss out on experiencing the Father's love. But this is primarily who God says He is. This is the why of the gospel. And so if we look at the other two parables, right? I said this was the, three of, uh, the third of three parables, What we see in each of the parables is God making a point. It's about valuing what was lost, loving what was lost, right? So the first one, the parable of the lost sheep, right? One sheep goes astray. The shepherd himself leaves the 99 and he goes after the one because that one sheep was so valuable to him. He goes himself to bring that sheep back home, okay? The second one, the parable of the lost coin, the widow, right, it says she has 10 silver coins. Now, maybe you know this, maybe you don't. I just learned this recently. I thought it was fascinating. And that day, widows would wear uh, like a strap, like a sash with 10 coins in it. And this was kind of to say, here's my worth. As if to say, this is kind of a dowry. If you marry me, this is, this is kind of what you'll get. So think about this widow. She loses one of those coins. What's happened? Her worth has been diminished. Her dignity has been lessened. So she's frantically searching for that. And when she finds that coin, she rejoices. Why? Because her dignity's been restored. Her value's been reaffirmed. It was the joy of of finding the lost coin. And of course, the lost son. As we said, the father's compassion and rejoicing and celebration at the son coming home. Because God is about love. And he loves you. And He has compassion on you. So I want you to think about this. Let's really try to capture this thought. Let's. See, anybody like to camp here? Any campers? Maybe. Okay. Let's just imagine we all liked camping, and we were all camp. You guys know what camping is. You you put up a tent, or some of you have like an RV, which I don't know if classifies as camping really or not. Uh, anyways, so so let's say we're all camping together, right? We're having a good time, we're sitting around the fire, just enjoying uh, one another. And you come around dinner time and you realize that one of your children is missing. And so you go around and you start asking some of the other campers, hey, have you seen my little girl? No, I haven't seen her. Have you, have you, has anybody seen my little girl? You got a picture, have you anybody seen No, I haven't seen her. And then someone finally says, oh yeah, I think I saw her wandering off in the woods earlier. Now what happens to that parent? What does that parent feel? That's what God feels for his lost children. You're going to do everything you can to find them and to bring them home. I don't know, parents, have you ever lost a, a child in a store or at a theme park, right? It's terrifying. Why? Because you love that child. There's, I forget which child of ours this was. Maybe it was Hannah. I can't remember. Oh, uh, maybe it was Abby. She's waving. It was me. Um, we were at our house before the one we're in and there was a lake in the back. And this was right when they were running around, able to walk. And of course, one day, I don't know if your are parent, you ever do this. You, you realize you can't find your child in your house. And you're like looking around frantically for them. And I don't know if it was me or my wife, but one of us ran outside. And sure enough, a little two, three-year-old run towards the lake. What did you feel? What did I feel? <gasps> That's what God feels for you guys. Because he so values you. He so loves you. Do you feel that? See, it's actually experiencing God's love for you that changes you. It's not just knowing it. It's not just knowing the right Bible verses. It's feeling God's love wash over you in a powerful way. And everything else in your life gets turned down. This is the why of the gospel. This is what it's all about, right? But we already knew that. John 3, 16 and 17 is what God already told us. For God so what? loved the world. He loved the world that he gave his only son. This is the why. He loved the world. That whoever believes in him, trust in him for what? For forgiveness of sins. First, you got to do like the son. Say, I've sinned. I've, mess, I've made a mess of my life. I'm not satisfied. I'm not fulfilled. I'm searching for everything. But God, I'm ultimately searching for you. And repentance says, I'm coming home. And you receive the forgiveness for your sins. This is why Jesus died, right? We know this. He died to remove the barrier for us to come home. So who believes in him, in Jesus, should not perish but have eternal life. Okay, that means that one day there's consequences for the way we lived our life. Every one of us will stand before God one day and give an account for how we lived. So I don't know if you've ever, you know, judge other people for how they're living. Anybody ever do that? Certainly not. Maybe I'm the only one. Okay. Thank you. So we're talking confession, repentance here. Come on, guys. I find it helpful. I don't know their heart, right? I don't know their heart, but I do know every one of us will give an account for how we lived. No, we don't want to believe that. Our culture doesn't want to believe that. Our world doesn't want to believe that. But it's true. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17 of John chapter 3, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but in order that the world might be saved, delivered through him. The why of the death and resurrection of Jesus is God's love for you. Amen? Do you feel that? Do you want to feel that? I want to feel that. It's true. We ought to feel that. It's not just some esoteric truth up here. So let me ask you here in closing, where are you? Have you come home yet? To the Father? Have you seen that Jesus is the way to the Father? You notice like what happens in these three parables? There is so much rejoicing and celebration. When one person repents, when one child returns to his father, there's a huge party. We ought to be the most celebratory people. But I think I'm not. Often we're not because we are so distracted. And we're not experiencing the father's love for ourselves. So maybe you need to come home as the the lost son. But of course, there's another son in this story, right? And he's not about rejoicing and the prodigal coming home. He's angry. He's bitter. He's the one that stayed at home. He always did the right thing. He says, I was with you. I did everything I was supposed to do. And here's what God, the father says to him, son, You are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. You see, sometimes we forget that we're already home. And being present with God the Father is the greatest thing of all. Anybody fall into that? Experiencing God's presence in your life, made possible through the death and resurrection of Jesus, is the greatest thing in this life. In fact, it's what eternity is headed towards. It's where everything began in the garden. God walked with his children in the cool of the day. We're in the presence of God. And in the end, we will be in the presence of God forever, celebrating, partying, having the most magnificent experience forever and ever and ever and ever. So maybe you need to come home for the first time like a lost son. Or maybe you've strayed and you need to come home. Maybe you need to realize that you're already at home and that God's presence is a gift to you. And you can experience this through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so I encourage you today, wherever you're at, as I close in prayer here, and we worship, do some business with God. Search your hearts. I don't, I, I don't know how many times I've prayed Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, 25. It says, search me, O God. Search me and know me. Point out any grievous or offent- offensive way in me. God, I don't even know my own heart. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you now and unlock and break whatever it is that keeps us from experiencing the Father's love. That's already already ours in Christ Jesus by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for this truth. And I pray that it wouldn't just be an intellectual truth that we agree with but an experienced truth that transforms us. And the beauty of who you are, God, is that we will never, ever come to the end of your glory and your beauty. Jesus says eternal life is knowing God the Father. That starts now, and I pray it would start today for everyone here, no matter where they're at, no matter how long they've been walking with Jesus or if they're not walking with Jesus, that they would turn and come home and experience your love, God, your presence, God, your compassion. And So do some work with us right now, Lord. My Holy Spirit, would you just speak to your people? Would you woo those who are far from you back to God the Father, the glory, the beauty, the majesty, the wonder of who God is. Thank you, Jesus, that you've made the Father known to us and you've made a way for us to know him. We give you this time. We give you our lives. Come, Holy Spirit. We love you. We pray this in your name, Jesus, and by your spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the One Hope Church Podcast. We encourage you to share what you've heard in conversation with family, friends, classmates, and coworkers. To connect with us or learn more, visit wehaveonehope.com.